We're going to be digging into this today. We've been on a series of, um, it's called From Bondage to Freedom, The Journey of Becoming His. The His there is God's, God's people. And we started in Exodus and we've been going through the books of the Bible. Today we're talking about Deuteronomy. It's a very big, long book, lots of juicy stuff in it. Um, I always like going through the Bible and finding the stuff that's just weird, you know, or hard to understand and making notes about it. Um, but we won't get into too many of those things today. There's so many juicy things in Deuteronomy. You got to read it yourself. But today we're going to talk about preparing our hearts to receive God's promise. And this, this, the overview of Exodus and, and Numbers and Leviticus and, or Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, is it's just this story of how God chose a very small and seemingly insignificant group of people to become his people. Then he set them apart and blessed them for no reason other than he desired to. He wanted to show his glory and his goodness through this group of people, but not through anything that they had actually done. And we've seen how he delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He provided for them as they're walking and wandering through this wilderness. And now they're at this pivotal moment where he's preparing them to enter into this promised land, this land he promised their ancestors. And as we've been doing this, we've been looking for connections. Where are the connections between the Israelites' journey and our journey today? So today we're going to be asking God how we can prepare our hearts to receive his promises for us. And it isn't about what can we do to earn his love, what can we do to check off religious boxes so we look like we're doing all the right things. This is really, we're asking God, what do we need to do to be ready to really steward the promises that God has given us, that he's preparing to give us? Have you ever gotten something that you've prayed for and then kind of not been super grateful for it once you got it? You got that job and you're like, I need the money, I need the money, I just need a job. God, would you just give me a job? And you get the job and you're like, this sucks. Don't like my boss, don't like my coworkers, it's not enough money. You pray for a spouse, Lord, bring me a spouse. I just, I'm ready, Lord. And then you get the spouse and you're like, oh my gosh, you're so hard to live with. It's hard to, hard to love you sometimes. You pray for a child, Lord, give me a child. It's the desire of my heart. And God gives you a child and you're like, they don't listen, they don't obey. This is sometimes hard to steward the promises God has given us. He gives them to us anyway, but how are we gonna handle them when he gives them to us? So how we prepare for God's promises matter. And you know, today's the first day of Advent and it's a time of um, the Christian calendar when we prepare. It, Advent means coming. We are preparing for the coming or the arrival of sweet baby Jesus that was born on this earth, that our savior, our king actually became human. He was God incarnate. And so we prepare our hearts for this thing. Maybe you prepare in your family, like with your kids, you start at Thanksgiving and Every year, it's a struggle in our family to work through some of that entitlement that we all live in and get ready to prepare our hearts to receive good gifts. 
Um, so before we get started, though, on even though we're not getting into a lot of the really juicy stuff in Deuteronomy, like I said, and I'm saying that because remember, every week we have the the deeper kind of uh, deeper look, deeper story. What are we calling it? Deeper study, deeper study. So on the realm, you'll get an email, and it will have uh, links for the Bible Project video we're going to watch. It'll have links for um, the scriptures that you can go through and read for deeper study. But as we're reading the Bible, we have to remember these two things. So that's reading the Bible here today or reading the Bible at home. The first one is that context is key, okay? And these two things might seem like they um, are opposites, but we have to remember both these things and walk in the tension. So context is key, and it's really important when we're reading the Bible to remember that this is a history of how God interacted with people and it's at specific times, geographical locations, specific geographical locations, and it's within an ancient culture. So as much as possible when we're reading the Bible, we have to be aware of the filters that we tend to read the Bible with, and that can be our age, our generation, because every age and generation has mindsets that we're prone to. Um, it could be our sex, our gender. Um, things that you might read as a male would be different, taken differently, reading it as a female in the Bible. Where we live, the ideas that shape us geographically, even in the United States, you go to the South, there's a certain maybe mindset there. You go to the Northeast, there's a certain mindset there. Here in the Pacific Northwest, we have a certain mindset, and we can all be influenced by that. Basically, we just have to keep in mind that we have a modern Western mindset when we're approaching the Bible. And, uh, but remember, though, there are commands that apply to us today because they reveal the character of God. So over and over again in the Bible, throughout all the Old Testament and into the New Testament, God says, take care of the orphan, take care of the fatherless, take care of the poor. And he specifically puts these laws in to, to protect women or, or people that were marginalized in society. And that is something that is the heart and the character of God. So those are things that those commands still apply to us today. Darcy was talking about holiness when she was going through Leviticus. And what holiness looked like in that time might look different now, but God is a holy God. It's part of his character. Then it's important to remember that there are other laws that do not apply literally to us today. Okay, so we don't have to freak out when we're reading Leviticus and Deuteronomy that we are wearing a sweater that's made out of wool and linen, and we're breaking God's law. Um, you know, there's some fun ones in there about, you know, don't poop and let God see it because he's holy. Well, God sees all of our poop, guys, and it's okay. Um, we don't have to freak out about that. But just because a command is ancient and was given to a specific people at a certain time doesn't mean that we can ignore it today. So it's interesting that we'll talk about the Old Testament, like all the laws and all the weird stuff in the Old Testament and how does that reveal who God is when we compare it to Jesus. But there's more commands of how we're supposed to act in the New Testament than there are in the Old Testament. And when we read about this law of Moses, that's what it's called, the law of Moses, it helps us to better understand the law of Christ, which is what we are living under now. So there is a grace and there is a freedom that we are living under now, but there's also a higher standard. We have something today that they did not have back then, and to just keep that in mind. Also, fun little fact, Deuteronomy is one of the most quoted books uh, by Jesus himself. 
So I believe he still wants us to hear him, hear what he's saying through this book and respond to him today. The second thing to remember is that, yes, we need historical and cultural context and we read the Bible to be formed by it. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us and when we approach the Bible, we don't just look at it as an ancient text and we don't just look for information and fun little weird facts. We say, Spirit of God, would you open up my eyes to see what you have to say to me, to us today through this, through this text? So um, yes, the Bible has lots of hard things to understand in it, but it holds keys to abundant life and to thriving if we are willing to ask God for it and discern it. So um, we're gonna watch a quick over, er, overview of Deuteronomy from the Bible Project. Okay guys, one day, I promise. We're gonna have these videos like so ready to go with sound. Anyway, so in the deeper study, you can go ahead and click the link for the Bible Project video. It was just giving an overview. Um, Deuteronomy was basically written in the form and structure, it doesn't exactly say this in the video, um, of treaties and other covenants during that time. And so I think it's always fascinating how God will use something, a cultural thing we are familiar with, and he'll use it to reveal himself and who he is, or he'll use it to speak to us. Um, some ways that I hear from God oftentimes is through movies. Anybody else? Does God speak to you through movies? Um, God is not necessarily putting his stamp on movies, but he'll use something modern and cultural that's you know, appropriate for our time to speak to us. So in Deuteronomy, this is written in the form of speeches, um, speeches that uh, Moses is sharing. Some of it in the beginning is, is a, what was considered a preamble. And then these contracts or treaties between kings and their subjects, so God, and the Israelites um, would have certain stipulations, certain things that um, the subjects had to agree to, okay? And it would give a history of the relationship between the king and the subject as like, here's why you need to listen. So God goes through, Moses goes through and says all the things that God has done for them. Look how he's delivered you. And then says, so as you are getting ready to go into this promised land, a promised land that you did not work for, you're going to get to go in and experience good things that you did not sow for in a sense, but you're going to get to reap them. Here's what you need to do to live as a holy people. Here's what you need to do to receive blessing. Here's what you need to do to enter into this Sabbath rest that God has for you in this new place. And here's what you need to do to reflect my character to the people around you. Now, um, spoiler alert, they don't keep the covenant. If you haven't read Deuteronomy and passed it, just so you know, God lays it out really clearly what they need to do and they don't do it. It is interesting though, things about like how I was saying, God will use things that maybe aren't his first design, best design, his, his ideal for us. He put stipulations in Deuteronomy about when you get into this land, you're gonna want a king. And remember, the Israelites looked around at all the nations around them and said, we want a king like the other nations have a king. We wanna be like them. That was not God's best for them, but he gave them a king. So in Deuteronomy, there's stipulations for what a king has to do. One of those things was he's supposed to write out this entire law and read it all the time and make sure that he knows this and that he follows it. So God is basically saying, I am making a covenant with you. 
And like I said, they don't listen. <laughs> so in his speech though, Moses is challenging this next generation to hear what God was saying to them. So in the video, it talks about this part in the Bible that we're gonna read called the Shema. And it's something that um, Jewish people today still recite, sometimes twice a day, and it's a prayer, okay? So let's go ahead and go to that real quick. Deuteronomy. Four and five. And this is what, it's said several times in the Bible, but um, this is what Moses was saying to the Israelites. They're on the cusp of something, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with your whole mind, your whole being, and all your strength. Some, some translations say um, whole heart in there with all that we are, heart, soul, and strength. And this is the foundation for everything else. Here, now that Hebrew word here does not just imply that you are sitting there and maybe you're zoning out thinking about something else or how hungry you are or the fight you got into you know, on the way here, um, but you're kind of hearing the words. Hearing this word here, here means to listen and obey. To hear something and to do something about it, to, res to respond. And so Moses is challenging them here Hear, O Israel, okay, for today, that is hear, O city harvest, or insert your own name, hear, O Tamar. This is what God is saying. The Lord is one, he's not many gods, he's Yahweh, and that is what this means right here. If, you, if in your Bible, the Lord is capitalized, that means that that is a translation for the actual word, um, the personal name of, of God in the Old Testament, Yahweh. And Yahweh means I am that I am. I will be all that I am to you. I am here. I am eternally present. I am eternal. That is who God's saying. He was saying that to the people. Remember that this is who I am. So every time God says something about his name, he's revealing a part of his character to us. So he's revealing this character to the Israelites. But this isn't just an ancient rallying cry for them, for the Israelites. This is a rallying cry for us today, to, to listen and to love, to love God with all that we are, and it is hard to do. Now, we'll hear at the end of Moses' speech, he says, this isn't that hard to do, guys, even though he listed out, here's the blessings if you do what God, is gonna, if you do what God says, and here's the curses, and some of these things sound, sound really crazy. But he's telling them, he's trying to encourage them, you're gonna fall away, you're gonna disobey, but it's not that hard to listen and respond, to listen and to love. So today, there's an invitation for us to prepare our hearts for whatever God has for us. And um, I wanna ask you, will you do that? Will you just in this moment in time say, God, I'm ready to settle my heart before you. I'm ready to open it up and I'm ready to receive whatever you have for me, but I'm also willing to do what I need to do to get it. So today as I'm sharing, I just want you to think about what are promises that God has given you? Maybe these are things that, um, you know, they're personal promises God has spoken to you. They could be prophetic words that God has given to you. 
even things that you're just still contending for. So as we're reading through things today, just think about these things. There's specific things I'm contending for with my kids. Um, I want them to hear the voice of God clearly. I want them to be filled up with the Spirit of God to overflowing. I want them to know who they are in Christ. I want them to be peacemakers wherever they go. I want them to live their lives for God. There's things I'm contending for, promises in my marriage, unity. Unity, always unity. Um, <laughs> tenderness, that is actually something that Pete calls it cherish. He wants to cherish me. I want to be uh, tender towards him, and that's something I feel like God is saying, like he's calling us into. We're not really known for our tenderness towards each other, but we are contending for that. Um, there's things we're, Pete and I are contending for in this church. We're contending for wise spiritual mothers and fathers that would disciple the next generation where they're following hard after God and they're bringing the next generation with them until the day they die. You know, we're, we're praying for things like, man, we want people to encounter the radical love of Christ. We want them to know who they are in Christ and then we want them to walk in that purpose that Christ has for them. We want people to come into relationship with Jesus for the first time, or people that have walked away from him to come back into relationship with him. We don't believe we're supposed to just gather here to have like a little church club. We're supposed to gather here to celebrate what God is doing and invite people and take them with us and say, come experience the goodness of God with me and let them encounter him for the very first time. There's prophecies that we are contending for, things that um, were spoken over pastors Bob and Sue, that we would be known as a house of prayer. And there's new things. In this last year, we've had a lot of guest speakers and they would come and they'd be like, get ready, build that, that addition. There's, there's new believers coming. You're gonna be, you gotta get ready. You gotta get out of your comfort zone. You gotta get out of what's comfortable and get ready for the messy. So these are promises. What are the promises that God has given you? God, just help us to hear what you're saying to us today. I know there's things you're gonna reveal to us individually, and there's gonna, there's gonna be things you reveal to us collectively. But God, I just wanna say, I'm opening my heart to you, and I wanna receive everything you have for, for me today. Help me to receive your love, and like Skylar said, just freely give it away to others. Our promises aren't just for us, they're for others too. Amen. Okay, so how do we prepare to receive the promises of God? We already read Deuteronomy 6. That is the foundation. We have to hear what God is saying and we have to act on it. And our response should be loving him with all that we are and all that we have. Second, we're gonna read from Deuteronomy 8. So just probably one page over is all you have to do. Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 20. So he says, be sure you do not forget the Lord your God and not by not keeping his commandments, ordinances, and statues that I'm giving you today. When you eat your fill, when you build and occupy good houses, when your cattle and flocks increase, when you have plenty of silver and gold, and when you have abundance of everything, be sure you do not feel self-important and forget the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt 
the place of slavery and who brought you through the great fearful wilderness of venomous serpents and scorpions, an arid place with no water. Don't forget God when you get the good stuff. He made water flow from a flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your ancestors had never before known, so that he might, by humbling you, test you and eventually bring good to you. How often during the testing, maybe as soon as it starts, maybe in the middle, maybe right towards the end, right before God's ready to give us something, are we like, your timing is totally off, God. What are you trying to do, break me? I can't do this anymore. And we start to forget the good that he's given us. Be careful not to say, my own ability and skill have gotten me this wealth. It's another way we forget God. We forget that he's the one who gave us the skill. He's the one who gave us the ability. We have to steward the gifts he's given us, but he's the one who gave it to us in the first place. If you do this, he will confirm his covenant Oh, sorry, you must remember the Lord your God, for he is the one who gives ability to get wealth. If you do this, he will confirm his covenant that he made by oath to your ancestors, even as he has to this day. Now, if you forget the Lord your God at all and follow other gods, worshiping and prostrating yourselves before them, I testify to you today that you surely will be annihilated. Just like the nations the Lord is about to destroy from your sight, so he will do to you because you would not obey them. Where have we forgotten God? In your own life, where have you looked and maybe thought, I got this. I got this because I'm such a good worker. I got this because I'm just really good at relationships. I got this. And God's saying, don't forget me. You need to remember me. So one of the ways that we receive to prepare the promises that God has for us, it's all over um, the, I mean, before, not just Deuteronomy, before they're getting ready to go into the promise land, it's like, don't forget. And then a lot of times in the prophets, when they're trying to call Israel back after they do get annihilated um, and they get taken into captivity, it's like, remember, remember, go back, go back to what God said, read the law again, see where you've not done something you should have done, remember. So we don't forget God. Okay, I think this one is, well, like I said, the heart of God. It's all throughout the Bible. You can't get away from it. Deuteronomy 10. Just go over one more page probably. Deuteronomy 10, and we're going to start in verse 12. Something else that we have to do to prepare our hearts to receive the promises. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He's not asking much. I kinda, sometimes I, I read these and I think it's like kind of almost a sarcastic tone. Like He's not asking much, guys, just to revere him, to obey all his commandments, to love him with your whole heart, your whole mind, all your strength, to serve him with all of your mind and being. So not half-heartedly serve him. And to keep the Lord's commandments and statutes that I'm giving you today for your own good. What's he asking except for everything? The heavens, indeed the highest heavens, belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. However, only to your ancestors did he show his loving favor, and he chose you, their descendants from all peoples, as is apparent today. Therefore, 
Cleanse your hearts and stop being so stubborn. There's an exclamation point in there. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who, he's revealing his character, is unbiased and takes no bribes. That's important because a lot of the other gods that people worshiped during that time took bribes. You could earn their favor, and they were very biased. They liked some people and not others. So he, this is God, who justly treats the orphan and the widow and who loves resident foreigners, giving them food and clothing. So you must love the resident foreigners because you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. He's saying, even though you're this really special people, you still have to share it with the people that are from other nations that are in your land. Revere the Lord your God, serve him, be loyal to him and take oaths only in his name. He is the one you should praise, he is your God the one who has done these great and awesome things for you that you have seen. When your ancestors went down to Egypt, they numbered only 70, but now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of the sky. So he's saying, to prepare your heart to receive the promises I have for you, you have to love me, and guess what? There's this other part that's so not as fun as loving God. You actually have to love people too. <sighs> So frustrating, because sometimes the promises that we think God's gonna give us are just for us, there are special little things, and he does do that. He does do that sometimes. But when he gives us something good, it's meant to flow through our hands. We are not meant to hold on to it. And so he's saying, you might want to forget the poor and the marginalized and the foreigners. You might wanna forget them, but guess what? I'm a God that cares about them, so you, as my people should care about them. So, you know, who is God telling you to love, to pass on some of his blessing and goodness to? Who it with this person or this group of people when you get it? Who's hard to love that God might be asking you to love? Okay, last thing, stay loyal to God. Stay loyal to God. Deuteronomy 30, you can go there, it's all the way at the end. Stay loyal to God. Moses is begging them pretty much at this point. Be a covenant people. This is a covenant, this is a treaty, it's an ancient contract, they're familiar with that. They know that they're not the king, they know they're the subjects, and he's saying, Please keep these commandments. And so a lot of times these treaties ended with like an oath or a, a religious ceremony kind of ratifying this thing. And he's begging them here, please, please do it. <laughs> so um, verse 15, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. So he says, look, I have set before you today life and prosperity on the one hand, and death and disaster on the other hand. If you read through Deuteronomy, it's like, do this, you'll be blessed. Do this, you'll be cursed. Life, death, blessing, curse. He's saying, I've said it all before you. Away from that, to walk in his ways, to obey his commandments, his statutes, and his ordinances. Then, you will live and become numerous and the Lord your God 
will bless you in the land that you are about to possess. However, if you turn aside and do not obey, but are lured away to worship and serve other gods, I declare to you this very day that you will certainly perish. Mm, So inspiring. But God's serious. He was serious about his people obeying his commands then, and we don't have to follow every single commandment that is in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but he's serious about us obeying his commands today. There's a higher standard, not a lower one. And so Moses' words still hold a challenge for us today. Where are you believing a lie? It says in there earlier, sorry, let me go back to the beginning. In 11, he says, this commandment I am giving you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it too remote. Do we ever feel like God tells us to do something and it's just too hard? Or that maybe he gave us instructions and then like took off and he's not, he's not helping us anymore? Moses says, it is not in heaven as though one must say, who will go up to heaven to get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? And it is not across the sea as though one must say, who will cross over to the other side and proclaim it to us so we can obey it? He's talking about the law and God's words. For the thing is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your mind so that you choose to hear what God is saying to us and Obey. Will we hear things that don't make sense? But God, you don't know what I'm experiencing here. I always think it's so funny when we do that. Like, Lord, you really don't understand how hard this is. He's here. He's with us. He's near us. One of my favorite words of Christmas time, we hear it all the time in, in carols and songs, Emmanuel. He's God with us. So how will you handle? I know how we think we're gonna handle the promises when God gives us to them or gives them to us. How do you think right now though, if God gave you the thing that you're like, it belongs to me, it's mine, you promised us a long time ago, or whether you're just contending and you're like, Lord, give me this promise. How will you handle it when he gives it to you? How will we as a church handle God's promises when he gives them to us? This is something I'm constantly praying into. We have this great church family. What happens when a bunch of people that don't know Jesus, don't follow his ways, wanna come and taste and see that the Lord is good, but now the kids' classes are chaotic, none of the kids are listening. I mean, they weren't listening before, but they're really not listening now. And there's people sitting in our seat that we always sit in every single Sunday. Things that people are running around, there's prayer going on in all parts of the building. Doesn't that sound wonderful? But it'll be messy. So when God gives you your promise, sometimes it might look messy. You might have to change the entire way you're doing things. That's why God prepares us though. He says, do this now so you'll be ready to steward the things. Could be finances, it could be jobs. It could be homes and cars. It could be relationships, the people that I'm giving you to steward. Steward this relationship well. Now, the law that...
是吗？All the way to the New Testament. So you go past the halfway marker, get into the New Testament. You've got Matthew, and then you've got Mark. And we're going to go to chapter 12. Mark 12. And then go to verse 28. Now, one of the experts in the law came and heard them debating. When he saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, and he refers to Deuteronomy. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then he adds, the second is, they didn't ask for a second one, but he added it onto it, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The expert in the law said to him, that is true, teacher. You are right to say, I think that's so funny, like people telling Jesus, you know what, that was actually a good answer. Um, that is true, teacher. You are right to say that he is one and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices, which really just means even if it's things God told us to do and we're checking off those boxes, devotions, giving of our tithes, we give to the poor, even if we're doing all the right things, if our heart is not here, then it's not much. When Jesus saw that he had answered thoughts, So if you know the parable of the Good Samaritan, which most of us do, um, when Jesus was asked to define the parable of the Good Samaritan where, you know, there's someone um, who is attacked and robbed and all these good religious Jewish people walk by him, okay? And then a Samaritan who was from Samaria, which is a group of people that the Jews despised, is cast as the hero in the story cast as the one who does the thing that Jesus says, I'm gonna give you an example of who your neighbor is because they were asking. And so if we wanna be ready to walk in blessing of God's promises, if we wanna walk in, in the rest that God's promises will bring to us, and if we really want to reflect accurately and vividly God's character and his heart to the people in our home, uh, the people in our, in our family, our extended family, the people at our jobs, the people at our school, the people in this room, the people in our city. If we wanna do that, then we have to have loyal and undivided hearts that are devoted to God. We have to be so consumed with the love of God that to love other people um, that we think are hard to love, it's not hard anymore. And remember, Moses told them, the Israelites, they didn't have Jesus. It's not too hard. It's not too hard to obey. But now we have a new grace, a new power that we get to walk in. And it means that our blessings extend to others. Our promises extend to others. The theologian Dallas Willard had a litmus test for Christ-like character. 
whether one responds to one's enemies with love, but not eventually and over time. He said, spiritual maturity is indicated by the ability to love our enemies spontaneously from the heart. Does anyone wanna be so bold to say like, I am spiritually mature, I am there. I can do that, that is so easy for me. <laughs> I can respond spontaneously to people that irritate me with the love of Christ. Anyone? I'm not there. God's promises are for us, but they're for more than us. And we're supposed to you know, display the goodness of God to others through these, these promises and blessings that God gives us. And I sometimes wonder, do I reflect God's goodness and how much he's a trustworthy God? Do I reflect that in my life and the way I live my life? Something really easy that we could all do um, we could actually ask. We could ask other people. We don't have to guess. We can ask people. And I do this with my husband. I think I do it with the kids more often than Pete. I don't think I need to know his answer as much. But am I reflecting the heart of God to you? Am I loving you well? You could ask your coworkers, do you, do you know I'm a Christian? Do I, do I do anything? Not do you bring your Bible and like put it out on your desk at work. You know, if you're a student in school, not are you a part of a Christian club, but like in the things I say online, on social media, do I, do I show that I serve a good, trustworthy God? God and love others with all that you have and all that you are, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, does that seem like a burden that's too hard to do? I think sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, all the time, we're distracted. We're not living, there's a, there's a book I loved from like, I don't know, the 80s or 90s, Living in Light of Eternity. And it was just about, it was written by an Indian uh, man and it was all about just being sold out for Jesus. Do the things that we focus on, do, are the things that you're focused on right now, the things you were focused on last night or this morning or right now as I'm talking and you're you know, maybe zoning out, do those things matter in light of eternity? And are we willing to say, God, prepare our hearts to do whatever you have to do. Do heart surgery if you have to. Maybe he just needs to go in and scrape off a little scar tissue. I just need you to be more tender, more tender with your husband. Maybe he has to go in and actually split us open and do heart surgery and say, you know, I want to give you these good things, but you're not going to handle them well with the way that you're living because you have an undivided. There's a quote by Horatius Bonar, a Scottish poet from the 1800s, and he, he authored a lot of hymns, and I, I think I've shared it before. He says, have not our suspicious hearts darkened the book of light? He's talking about the Bible. Do we not often read it as the proclamation of a command to do instead of a declaration of what the love of God has done? God, just ask that you would let us be a people. I just want to declare that City Harvest, we will be a people that are known for loving you with our whole hearts. That we would be known as a people that 
are fully devoted to you and that that love for you would spill over and we would be known as a people that love each other well here in this room and in this church family, that that would spill even further and we'd be known as a people that love our neighbors well and our extended families well and that that would spill over even further and that we'd be known as a people that are far away from us. things and have different lifestyles than we do, that it would spill over into our city and our state and our nation, our world. Lord, we want to be fully devoted to you. We give you everything. We give you everything.